gentlemen and nerds of all ages welcome back this is views from the back of the class i am one half of your hosting team my name is drew bakersfield but you can call me jb and i'm here with my man what's up in words it's josh josh (laughs) gotta say that threw me off (laughs) that's why it took so long for me to answer so josh how are you how you holding up, man? That's the obligatory question every time we do this. Normally, I know we would just kind of be okay, but this Rona is still out there, and we all still, <laughs> well, most of us are still uh, indoors to to some degree. So You know what? Time has lost all meaning for me. <laughs> like in a Vegas casino? <laughs> exactly. There's no uh, clocks or windows here. You know, I'm doing all right. I'm making my way through uh, some of the games, making my way through my Hulu, Netflix uh, cues. I'm almost caught up on uh, Clone Wars. I started rewatching that. Nice. So I'm actually at the point where it gets really, really good, like season five, uh, towards the end of season five, season six. With the start of the plot of the clone troopers, uh, spoiler alert, having a defect in uh, following the Order 66 uh, prematurely. So... Um, that's a really, really great three, four episode spread. So I think I'm around there. So I should be wrapping season six up and then moving on to season seven and that will be done. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. What about I you? I mean, there certainly worse things to be doing than that. Very true. And I hear that there's some push online to get, I think it's the last four episodes of season seven. I think that's what they were saying. The last four to get them, you know, when all the madness is is over with to um, get Disney to release those in theaters. Because I guess the way that they were shot and edited, it lends to a more cinematic experience. And I guess that's what people kind of expected from it. You know, the mouse is about that money. So I'm sure if there's a way to make that happen, they just might. Interesting. I mean, I could see it, but I don't know if it would be anytime soon because... Um, you know, they just said recently that they're going to put the Hamilton. I know this is out of the realm, but you know what? You you guys need to diversify your uh, your entertainment. But they're thinking about putting uh, or not thinking they are going to release Hamilton, the Hamilton uh, movie a year early. So, I mean, yeah, I saw that. I'm not at that point in season seven yet to even understand the need to see it in the theater. But I don't know, because when are things going to go back to normal? You know, yeah, it it. It's going to be a minute. <laughs> it ain't going to be tomorrow, I can tell you that. No, nah, no. Nah. But of course, too, you know, I agree that Disney will definitely uh, um, try to profit more on something like that if they if they see a path forward. So I, I wouldn't put it past them. Well, what I'll say is if there's money to be had, Mickey going to go get it. <laughs> so I imagine if enough people have... Uh, expressed interest and they can find a way to make it happen especially with one of the stories we're going to talk about later they'll definitely make it happen that's for sure indeed so what about you how are you holding up i heard your uh 
trying to uh, mimic Matt Damon from The Martian and her growing her own potatoes and a couple other I things. I am. I am. I am not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I have, uh, believe it or not, I've been, I've been cooking and like trying to cook up new uh new recipes i um started experimenting with making my own rubs which i've done before but it's usually very random so if i'm trying to make a rub for like a barbecue or whatever i'll just dump some stuff in there and see if it works for that that day but now i'm actually doing it a little more purposefully and tweaking it so hopefully it's something i'll be able to to replicate and uh, if any of you guys are interested in that, you need to follow our new podcast, uh, Views from the Other Side of the Grill, with me and JB, where we just talk about, you know, grilling and what goes good on the grill. And can you grill it? Can you not? grill it? That's probably a better name for the show. Can you grill this? There we go. So you're going to have to subscribe. Never mind. Can you grill it? <laughs> <laughs> the view from the other side of the grill is just fire. <laughs> <laughs> or smoke, depending on which way the wind is blowing. Also... I want to shout out uh, my nameless homeboy. Uh, I know he's a, a listener, but I got the plug on DC Universe. Hmm. So I've been I've been watching that. I've been absolutely hooked on Young Justice. Okay. It is intense for some animation. As much as I talk about not binging stuff, I've actually been binge watching Young Justice. What? I have. I have. Uh, th- I just knocked the mic over. I was so, so surprised. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he has come over to the dark side. I heard they have cookies. <laughs> Delicious cookies. You know, it's funny. I always forget about DC Universe. And I got to add that to my list. Things to do. So, penciled in DC Universe. There's definitely got some some stuff on there. Not just... I mean, I think that was the bigger draw for me. That was the thing that I was most excited to see. So I went to that first. But, you know, I checked the whole thing out. And I think the the thing that um, probably will keep DC Universe around. I mean, it does have the original content, which is pretty dope. Titans and, you know, the daily shows and stuff like that. But it's the digital comics, I think. That is the thing that sets us apart from other streaming services. And that is definitely the one of the strengths of what DC has to offer is their their comic library and the animated library. Live action, not so much. At least the the films, um, the live action TV shows are pretty dope, though. So I'm going to. You know, do some more exploring with that, but yeah, that's been what I uh, I've been spending my time doing is binging Young Justice and cooking up some spices, <laughs> often at the same time. <laughs> so you're cooking like a brisket that needs to smoke for like eight hours, and you have seasons like one and two of Young Justice to keep you occupied as that happens. No, that's real. That's that's kind of how it works. <laughs> if I got to be in the kitchen for any length of time. I probably have probably have Young Justice going on the counter. Nice. What we want to talk about today. I know 
the last couple of episodes have been pretty heavy with that Rona. And so it may be time for a change. But that's not going to happen tonight. We're going to keep talking about that Rona because that's what's going on out in these streets. <laughs> but what Josh and I kind of have been been discussing lately when we were looking for like news items and stuff, this thing really does have, you know, obviously a huge effect on the entire world and, and, and you know, much more significant things than this little corner of the nerd universe that we have. But that is affected. You know, things are are changing a big part of why Josh and I are able to do what we do now. And, you know, you guys are tuning in is because there's this there's this community that exists. And part of that is event films and, you know, and cons and, you know, people doing cosplay and, you know, gatherings that happen at, at your local comic shops or, you know, game nights or whatever. Um, and all of that is done for now. But then the, that leaves us with the question, well, what next? What's the innovation that's going to get us through that? Or we keep talking about the new normal or getting back to normal. But what does any of that stuff look like when we get to that point? That's kind of what we're going to dive into today. There's quite a few things that are that are popping up or things that are happening that we can kind of attack. I want to start with the because we haven't really talked about it yet the situation with diamond and their distributing how they just kind of i know that's kind of old news at this point but they were just like yeah we ain't shipping <laughs> y'all not getting new comics that's just what it is in my opinion that was a huge huge blow to retailers and you know customers as well because how do you get how do you get your stuff get that fixed And to be honest, you know, most of the stories that people were following, they're dead in the middle of a run. And that's it. It harkens back to the 90s where you would, (laughs) you know, some of the the books weren't coming out on time. So you waiting three, four months. Shoot, I'm I'm saying back to the 90s, you ain't really got to go that far. That uh, anybody that read Doomsday Clock knows what that's about. And that was just, what, two years ago? Yeah, I found that to be a pretty drastic decision to be made. The probably the correct one, you know, to, to keep people safe. But it was interesting to see, and then to see some of the conversation around it as well. I thought was kind of, for lack of a better word, interesting. It, you know, some people were all for it. Some people were pretty upset, like demanding, yeah. "How dare they? <laughs> How dare they deny me my entertainment?" It's kind of funny because, like, from a business perspective, I wonder if there was breach of contract or anything like that. But, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of you're kind of torn, you know, like, hey, I understand. Like, are you really just doing this to protect your employees? You know, is that it? Is it a bottom line influence more so? You know, what's really the reason doing it? And two, it's like I'm not trying to, you know, downplay the seriousness of the job or, you know, saying like, oh, it's not that big of a deal or anything like that. But how at risk are the employees at the distribution centers? I mean, are they just, I'm imagining they're just, you know, boxing things up and put, you know, moving them around the warehouse and things like that. So I think that's a space where you, if you're, you know, put some thought to it, you could design a acceptable working arrangement where people don't really have to cross paths with one another. You know, like we have a friend who works in construction there, you know, they were still working for a while and how they had it set up is they had like one 
if they were on, you know, were working on some floor, they had like one plumber on the floor, then they would have like an electrician on another floor. So it was only one person working on that entire floor to reduce the amount of contact. So I right. think in a distribution center, they probably could do something like that. But, you know, it's two sides of the coin. And two, I, I get Diamond's been around for what, like 30 something years, 35 years. I feel like this is an opportunity for, I guess, the big companies who, who have a little bit more cash and stuff to spend or a little more negotiating powers to rethink their deals. You know, like, hey, is this the best route forward or can we forge a new partnership with someone else? You know, like Amazon or the FedExes, even though I don't like FedEx, I hate FedEx. Is this something that they could look in and run off a division and say, hey, we already have these routes. It's nothing to really add on, restructure this branch or something and add this onto our service to compete against Diamond. Because Diamond does like, I don't know, when I looked them up, I think they were doing like half a billion dollars a year in revenue. It's not anything to put your nose up at. That's pretty substantial. I think the issue with what Diamond was doing, though, is more about the customer base than the than the employees, because even if you have a situation where people are able to work in an environment where they're not, you know, they're able to keep proper social distancing, you got to consider, you know, we're supposed to all be behaving as though we're asymptomatic. And let's just say you have a person who is sick, you know, is working in a distribution center. Maybe that person doesn't get his or her coworker sick, but they ship in, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies of, of comics out to the world right and that's where you're you know that's where the danger could potentially come in so i, I i'm certain diamond is not uh, they ain't trying to lose money <laughs> <laughs> i imagine if they felt like there was any way around it or any way to do continue doing business they would have but you know whoever did the forecasting for them you know obviously realized that that was the best decision both for safety and the bottom line but even like the safety aspect, like if somebody were to get sick and of course, you know, like we're not doctors, you know, we're podcasters, humble brag. But I think too, like if, if in that scenario, in case if a worker is sick and they're packing stuff up and sending it out, by the time it, it, it gets to the public, any contamination would have died. So, and I get to at that point in time when they were like, yeah, we're not doing this. We didn't really know that much right. at the time. So I guess it was just being sick. But after like... You know, the CDC and other responsible parties um, have come out and who've, who are actually studying this thing and know about it have come out and said, you know, yeah, it lives on cardboard for, you know, don't quote me on this. Do not try to say I am the source of this or anything like that. But anyway, they said something like it lives on cardboard for a couple hours. After that information came out, they could have been like, OK, you know, let's reevaluate things and, uh, you know, start getting what we we can do to the people who are waiting because it's not just impacting the end user it's affecting the comic shop you know if they don't have inventory to sell then what's gonna bring people in or have people shopping online if they can't get it you know what i mean it's like you're backing up the entire flow of things and it all it has a it will have a bigger impact in the future or in the near future i think it's a, a chicken and egg thing that you're talking about though because, yeah, it could be that, you know, Diamond not distributing the books would uh, kill the inventory of the comic shops. But I think a big reason why Diamond didn't just come right back out, you know, once we got more information about the virus and the idea that it might have been a little bit safer 
than maybe we initially thought for them to continue production. Who are they going to send it to? The shops are closed. That's non-essential business. Right. Now, we're getting to the point where in certain places things are beginning to open back up, but we just don't know. We just don't know what, what any of this is, is going to look like. And I think it's going to vary depending on where you are. I think if you're in a place like New York City, probably not too soon, just because the numbers are so high and population density there is, is you know, it's crazy. People are on top of each other. Now, if you live in a, a less populated area, you know, your comic book shop is out in the county somewhere and you're not in an area where people are on top of each other, you may have more of an opportunity. It really just kind of depends on where where you live, where you get your stuff from. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think, too, there are non-essential business, but you don't have to physically go to the store to buy something. You just have to be able to access a web page. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like in a, you know, a range pickup, like um, not to harp on this or anything like that, but like that's how bookies is operating. They're operating online. So you can, uh, you know, order online and they'll ship it to you. Or if you want to arrange like an in-store pickup or something like that, you can do, well, not in-store, but in-person pickup, you can arrange the time. It's just one of those things where you can pivot to an online sales and just to kind of help keep the the wheels churning. And I know I'm I'm, I'm saying like, oh, I don't I, I hope I don't sound like, sound like I'm saying, you know, business must go on or anything like that. Like forget humans and uh, getting people sick. And that's not my position at all. No, I think it is. I think that is your position. And I think you're you're stating it very clearly. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that. I'm not a big fan of like knee jerk reactions. And at first it seemed right. like a knee jerk reaction, which was appropriate at the time, because at the time when they made the decision, like it was like middle of March or late March, like we didn't, everything was changing every day, you know? So I get them being like, you know what? We're just going to shut down. I get it. But as more information comes out, it's like, okay, well like readjust how you can, how you can do this. Um, because for one, and, and not to prematurely transition to like another conversation we're going to cover but like like i said if the if the comic book stores and the majority of them are small independently owned stores if they don't have inventory and they can't sell anything then that means they can't make rent they can't make payroll you know they can't pay for health insurance for their employees or employee or however many they have you know it's just this snowball effect of just things that happen so if you know, somebody can go online and order a comic book or two or something like that and know that they can get in the mail or pick it up in a responsible way. That's better for the business than to just have to be forced to shut down, which I guess is essentially kind of what, what happened with the non-essential business. But Amazon's still shipping stuff. All these other companies were still shipping things. So, you know, let's kind of do what we can to, to make sure that stores are still able to kind of operate in some way or fashion. Just so I mean... It reduces the hurt a little bit. And they, they're they doing what they can. And to your point about not having a knee-jerk reaction, once they did decide to shut down, which for the record, I, I agree, was the, the best decision because of the information that we had at the time. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been very much a knee-jerk reaction to then, once new information comes in, to say, okay, we're up and running again and start full production that just didn't seem like a good idea. So they, they seem to have planned it out. And at this point, there is light at the end of the tunnel, which is why I was a little apologetic about covering this so late. Because as of now, 
and they previously announced this. But I think uh, next week, actually, they should be back um, on a regular schedule as far as distribution. But that does take us into the point that you were, you know, you, you were bringing up about the shops. So they are, you know, Diamond is the big the big company that's distributing the books. But just like any other merchant, you got to have customers. Right. So who's who's purchasing from Diamond? And if the the shops themselves, which was already they were already struggling, as you know, a lot of small businesses do. But even before any of this, you know, we were talking about the struggles that that comic shops were having and staying open because it's all about the movies. Right. Everybody wants to go see the latest, you know, Avengers team up movie or whatever, but not necessarily going into the store to, to purchase books. It was a thing then. And then, you know, Rona came to town and and really flipped the game up for everything. So it does leave us with the question about where does this leave us at this point? Diamonds coming back. Are the shops going to be able to survive this blow when they were already kind of on the ropes even before that? That's a good question to ask. And it's one, you know, I don't have the the answer to. I mean, I can speculate over it. Well, you mean you don't have a crystal ball? No, I broke it when I was moving down into the vault, slipped out the box. Ah. Yeah. And you wish I could have seen that, that coming. coming. <laughs> I'm leaving those both in there. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you know, in regards to the comic shops and how it's going to affect them, I think the ones that were barely, I won't even say making a profit, netting out. I don't know. I think those guys are at larger risk than the companies that own a couple. Like here locally, we have Graham Cracker. Um, I think that's one of the bigger ones, and which I'm not too particularly fond of for no reason other than the fact I think that they're just too big and they take too much shine away from like the smaller shops. It's going to be hard. Some of them I don't think are going to come back. You know, hopefully some of the, the landlords in the spaces where they rent from are being, you know, reasonable. And we'll work with them on any you know back rent that they may owe and, and structure a deal so that they can stay in business. But, uh, you know, I think if things open up and with Diamond continuing uh, operations to distribute, do, do you know, are they going to like ramp up back to like full production? Or are they still are they going to do like a limited? Um, it sounds to me like they're just going to go back to kind of business as usual. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm sure they have to scale back in some ways just because of the um the way that you have to distance people mm-hmm. for safety i imagine that that has to change the way that you do business right because you just won't have as many people and if you don't have as many people there's no way you can keep up with the sim- similar demand right so and that's the case i mean i think that will help but then at the same time you got to the stores have to be able to be you know flexible and you know, during this downturn, hopefully they were looking at ways to position themselves to be stronger when they come out. So, you know, it's 2020. So every company should be looking to have like an online presence. And but even more so now, because not to uh, talk down to, to you nerds or anything like that. But I feel like the comic shop is probably one of the safest social distancing places that will be reopened. But once things are back to normal, I think the people who were shopping there originally will return. You know, their their money would go back there if they still have that disposable income where that allows them to shop like they were doing before. 
but right. you know, you have some that are like a crossover kind of community type center, um, or try to be where they have a little bit more overhead. So yeah, I think the people will return. I don't know about new business or anything like that, but I just think that they have to position themselves and be nimble and shift to online business. And also too, they're going to have to prove to the people in the public that it's a safe place to come. I imagine whatever measures shops were taking at the beginning of, of the pandemic before everything got completely shut down, or at least, at least where I am, that's kind of how it had been played because businesses were, you know, before everything got completely shut down, non-essential businesses were still able to operate like restaurants and bars and stuff. They could do like takeout. And I, I saw that comic shops were doing the same thing. You could just, you know, do like a drive drive through. They weren't doing it online, at least the one that I can think of. But, you know, you could still get you could still get your, your books. So I imagine that once things do start to to change and, you know, open up a little bit more, it'll be something similar to that. I think you may not be able to go right back to the communal space that we may have been accustomed to before. I won't look exactly the same way, right? You're not going to see people hanging out playing Hero Clicks or D&D or whatever. I think it's going to be a minute for that. But if it's just a matter of just getting the product, I think that can still continue. But the big thing is, man, at the end of the day, man, comics are very, very expensive. More than you might think if you've been, you know, a person who doesn't, buy comics on the regular or haven't done so in a while, it can get expensive in a hurry. Take it from somebody who spent way too much money over the years on this stuff. It <laughs> it can get you. And a lot of us just don't have the same disposable income. I mean, people are financially struggling as much as we love them. Comic books or, or you know, comic book related stuff is just not that high on the priority list. If it comes down to, you know, things that are essential for my household and that's going to affect the business then. And it's through no fault of anybody's. It's if I ain't got it, I ain't got it. And if too many people are telling this business, look, I ain't got it. Domino, you know, it's domino effect. Mm -hmm. And also, too, it's like comic book readership has been trending down like for years. But there was an up. There seems to have been an uptick since 2018 don't quote me on that no, um and it hasn't been it hadn't been huge yeah it was positive though like right for the, for the industry it was a positive change correct yeah i remember i think it was more recent but yeah no i, I think uh, you know i always look at things this way you know when you look at business and and what they do and you say okay how much is a average comic book what 350 450 yeah it's like four bucks how many of those do you have to sell to make rent? You got to sell a lot of them. And how I guess a lot of that depends on where you're where you're located, too. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, to, you know, to, to parallel kind of like what you were saying about disposable income. And if it comes to there's a difference between a four dollar comic book and a four dollar hamburger. We have to eat. Right. You don't, you don't have to read Spider-Man number 378. But four dollar comic will last longer. I tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we as Americans, we're typically a little on the fatter side anyway, so we can go and skip a meal or two. There you go. to do that. Of course, don't quote me on that. Not a medical professional, just a podcaster. 
But yeah, I think it's one of those industries where you you know you wonder like, is this going to be a thing in ten years, or right. are comic books going to be a thing of the past where, you know, the next generation of uh, cosplayers and convention attendees and stuff like that don't really know what a true comic book shop is. Maybe they know what like this. I can't even say a you know something operating out of like a GameStop because GameStop is going away, um, or at least yeah. reducing in size. So. You know, I think this the COVID-19 pandemic and the economic impact has definitely shined a brighter light on how it's affecting not just small businesses and businesses across the country, but particular industries and how they survive. Because, yeah, like you said, everyone wants to go to the movies to see it, but not necessarily everyone wants to read it or read the backstories about it. Or, I mean, it, it just comes down to economics, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I can go see an Avengers movie. It may cost me 10 bucks for that experience. 10 bucks at the comic shop is not going to even get me a complete story arc. Nope. Like I might get two books. I can see the appeal. If for no other reason than just economically, it it's easier on my pockets to do the movies. And then it's easier to follow, to be honest with you, too. If I'm going to the movies, I can watch that. There's a lot of expository in every film anyway, so you can mm-hmm. kind of jump in at any point and still understand what's going on. And you need, like, the Dewey Decimal System sometimes in the comic book store to figure out what's going on. It'd be 17 number ones in, you know, different runs and reboots. And it's it if you don't know, you're just coming in there cold. And unless you have a really helpful clerk, uh, shout out to First Aid Comics, it's difficult or it can be difficult. And it'd be just just easier not to do it at all. So I think you and I are kind of coming to the same conclusion with that. It's just like every other business, right? Some of them just are not going to make it. And that's just the sad reality of of what we're dealing with. I think the larger ones are going to be okay. You know, the ones that although they have the most overhead, they also have a larger client base, I think. Mm -hmm. And they have the ability to be a little more flexible to what their clients' needs might be. It is definitely a, a, a complex thing, and I guess, you know, we're breaking this all down, and it, it, none of this is new information, and it, and it, you know, applies to every business. If we were talking about restaurants, it would probably work out the same way. Just like everything else, man, we'll just, we'll see. But the other thing that this makes me think of, and you mentioned, you know, cosplay, that's a huge thing, and it's it's gotten bigger and bigger and although people have the ability to and they often do you know go online and they have they're able to you know present their their work uh to audiences i think the core opportunity for people to be able to model their um you know model their work or to be able to compete and show off their work is at cons that's another thing that's taken a huge blow i mean San Diego Comic-Con, shut it down. And it wasn't even like, yo, we're postponing it. Like a lot of things we're doing at the beginning of this, oh, we're going to postpone and, until we get further information or, you know, we're we're canceling indefinitely. But the idea is that it's going to open up soon. They was like, nah, ain't happening. Cancel for 2020. That is the convention. Uh, that's where all of the, the, you know, the big stars would go and it's, freaking impossible for a lay person to get in there anymore but then light at the end of the tunnel so it was 
they canceled it. But then they came out maybe a couple weeks after that. And now it's going to be a virtual con. So now people might actually get an opportunity to experience, you know, SDCC. I don't know, man. I just don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> it's a mix. Everything, everything with this thing is like a mixed bag. You know, you're like, okay, yeah. like, man, why <laughs> could it get any worse? You know, it's like there is a charm, I'll call it, to going to a big convention, you know, going to Wizard World, C2E2, Ace, or there's something about going to one of those in public and inter- interacting with people who, who are from the same tribe as you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take it away and you put it in in front of a screen, it, it doesn't have that same feel. So, you know, I think it's on every respectable nerd's bucket list to go to SDCC one day, right? Yeah. If, if, if you can it, make that happen. Yeah. I've heard of instances where people on the other side of the world have gotten tickets and gone and they've tried for years. Right. So it's a big deal. So there's a benefit of pushing it online. It's like, okay, I can still have a semblance of this event without having to watch, you know, those crappy leaked cell phone videos that people take <laughs> of certain things. <laughs> and right. I'm not hating on those because of, hey, I've, I've seen some, you know, the trailers, the leaked trailers and stuff that I otherwise would have had to wait months to see. And putting that stuff online, it's not really the same, but at least you're going to get a glimpse into that material or that information at the same time. So, you know, the panels that you like to visit, the Q&As, the, the sessions that are, are more, for lack of a better term, you know, more uh, unique, you'll be able to see that from the comfort of your home. But I think there's going to be something that's, you know, lost in that experience. Um, so yeah. I'm with you. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I understand the need to do it. I'm actually kind of curious how they're going to, I mean, they have to pay for everything. So I'm like, surely they're not going to charge like regular prices for this. Like, I can't imagine that they would. I don't think they're charging anything for it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. So it will be free. Don't get me wrong. I mean, don't quote me. I could be wrong. So the servers are going to crash is what you're saying. (laughs) Well, I don't know, though, because it it really depends on what people are expecting to see. If it's just going to be a matter of, you know, Q&A's and panels with um, creators, that's not going to have that huge of a draw, I think. It will, but for people who know who these creators are, you know, that would be us, right? The the classmates are going to be there. But if I'm someone who's drawn to wanting to go see the big tentpole films and, and being interested in the big I hate to use them as the example, but they're the ones that do it all the time is um, when Marvel has these big announcements and in Hall H and they bring out all the, the actors and Kevin mm-hmm. Feige's there. Those type of spectacles, though, that will bring out the general public. But if it's not going to be something like that, if it's even if it was something just like a trailer, I don't know that that is going to be enough to draw in. You know, just the massive amount of people who would have been there in person if they could, because the reason they're going is to is to star watch. That's just what it is at this point, because if it was about the con itself, you could just as easily go to one in, you know, Philly or St. Louis or Montana, you know, and get a similar experience. You're going to get that sense of community on a much smaller scale. But. You ain't going to see Robert Downey Jr. walking through there or, you know, find out that you were in a, in a Q&A and Tom Holland was there with the Spider-Man mask. Like those things aren't going to necessarily happen in those places. 
So th- I think that was the big appeal of uh, San Diego. I can see that, but I think the on the the other end of the coin is that people who are fans and who do even you know they don't make it to STCC, but they do go to the small local ones would would still join in because it's still going to be. I would imagine it would still be information and things that we would be interested in. Like I think that what would be disappointing for me and. I understand it, <laughs> so I'm not saying, you know, don't do it, but if, like, for example, Marvel's going to do their announcement this year, and they get everyone involved in the MCU on a giant Zoom call, and that's what you're watching, um, eh, I could pass on that, to be honest with you, but if it's, I won't say a more professional thing, but a, just a more cohesive, smoother program or something like that, I could get behind. I don't know how many people went to C2E2 this year, but each year it's getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be online, I don't think you need millions of people to make it a success. If you take little groups of pe- from people from you know Chicago and St. Louis and Detroit and uh, Philly and New York, and all, you know all these other places, and, you, and everyone's tuning in to stream and watch it, and you have you know viewership of forty thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand, and then people are rewatching it in, in the broadcast, I think you can still have it would still be considered a success. But I mean, I guess that though the people putting it on will have to determine what is considered successful for them. I mean, the silver lining with that is that would be a whole lot cheaper to to put on. That's for sure. Like the overhead is getting slashed because of not needing this massive space. But here again is where people are impacted. So because you have this huge influx of people that are that'll be going to the convention center. You also have the vendors who are there. Now, the vendors got to pay this huge, exorbitant price to be able to get a booth there. But the foot traffic is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to be missing. Because even if you have people that have, let's say you have the, the, the same vendors, right? But it's, a, um, it's an online forum instead of it being a booth. There's something to that that's also missing, right? When you walk in the floor and you see somebody's work, mm-hmm. you know, an indie, an indie artist or an indie writer or, right. you know, yeah, someone just catches who, your eyes. And, and yeah, you don't have that same draw. It's like really easy to scroll past something because we see them every day. It, it would be no different than looking at some sort of an ad that you might get on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. You see it and you don't see it. Right. Or maybe I'm just an old fogey. No, I mean, that's another... I don't want to say victim of this this pandemic or the response to it, but yeah, that's another thing. I mean, it's it's real. I mean, there are people who make their money on the uh, convention circuit, you know, right? You know, and they're missing out by making it virtual. But that's one of the things that we that we miss that will be you know lost in translation as well. And that the people who dress up the cosplayers, I'd be interested to see more details about it. I would be willing to check it out. I, I do think there will be interest in it just because even people who usually go to Stargaze are in, only interested to Stargaze. Um, I think that just because of the rec- the name recognition, will be, there will be interest there and what it is. But I think it's, it's just among the people who care. Like if you I, I don't imagine if it was someone who would be going for Stargazing. I just don't see the appeal of watching it on the screen, because if that's the case, it's it's just like watching um, a YouTube video of an interview. If your purpose was to see this person, you know, and to be in the same space as them, 
that's the appeal. Once that part is taken away, I don't think there's any reason why those people would tune in. They might, but I think that would be the minority for sure. I agree. I think the majority would be the, the hardcore people who actually care about the space versus the the big names. I'm interested to see more information come out about it, how they're going to structure it. Yeah. And, you know, how long will it be? Because I'm not going to... I can't see them doing, like, an entire day thing where it's just panel after panel after panel for an hour straight. I mean, they don't do it that way anyway. It's, it's you know, panels sprinkled throughout the day. I could see... I could see that. I could totally see that. But there's panels sprinkled throughout the day so people can have time to go to the floor and set up for a new panel and stuff like that. But if you don't have that anymore and everyone's, you know, either going to be, you know, a few people in a studio and that's being broadcasted out or everyone's just going to be doing it from their home or whatever, then you could just stack them like that. Or you could Yeah, but you got to do stuff according to people's schedule, too. And you might have people that are doing multiples. So you really would have to space them out for that reason. It's going to be interesting. I think uh, a good test study on what that could be like as far as fan support was the Travis Scott Fortnite concert. Now, yeah. granted, Did you ever watch that? Heck no. It was actually pretty cool. No, thank you. <laughs> nah, I'm good. No, it'll be interesting to see how how that all plays out and I don't I don't think that's going to be the you know, quote unquote norm, but if they find a way to be able to monetize that this year, then I can see this as a uh, another stream of revenue moving forward. So you'll have the, you know, physical cons happening, but then you got the live stream also. You know, it's it's it'll be a, a fraction of the cost and obviously the constraints on attendance would be much, much lower than it would be because you're not dealing with the physical space. Just however much traffic the servers can hold. It's gonna be a thing. Like <laughs> Like with every other part of the world, we just kind of figure it all out as it happens. It's it'll right, be interesting when it comes out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. So, uh, JB, do you got any any homework for the classmates? I do. I know I left let y'all down last week. This is oldie but a goodie. If you have not read this, you should have. But that'll be your homework for this week. Get your hands on Executioner Song. Uh, X-Men. It's a run from like 92, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right around 92. It's a, a crossover. So it's basically, you know, it starts off with um, this mutant pop star, Lila. She's doing a concert. Xavier's supposed to be there. And um, it starts off with Strife, you know, coming to interrupt the speech. And he shoots, uh, he shoots Professor X, gets him infected with the uh, same techno-organic virus that uh, Cable has, and I'm getting really, really nerdy and <laughs> just explaining this. And then on top of that, you get two of Apocalypse's horsemen attack uh, the X-Men, and then I'll just kind of stop from there. But it's a... You got X-Men, you got X-Factor, you got X-Force, S.H.I.E.L.D. is involved. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, a little on great. the dark side, but it was an excellent, excellent story. There are a lot of great stories like that from the 90s, though. Yeah, very much so. Um, I actually have something for you guys that does not require you to read because, you know, I care about you guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Reading's fundamental, right? But no, it's a, you know, I mentioned earlier that I've been watching Clone Wars and 
Um, I'm in the Star Wars space right now, so um, the GL Star Wars stuff, the George Lucas stuff. But there's a fan film, which I'm not usually... I, I watch them. Usually I'm interested in like the how they're shot and everything because I like that people who don't do something like that professionally for a living, what what kind of quality project do they put out? Like, So I watch them that way, but I'm not a big fan film, you know, fan fiction kind of person or anything like that. But this one's really good. It's called Vader Shards of the Past. It's on YouTube. I think the first episode is like 15 minutes or something like that. But it's it's pretty well shot. Um, the guy has a Star Wars themed uh, channel on YouTube, Star Wars Theory. But it's an awesome video. Of course, Disney does not let him monetize it because they're Disney. So he's crowdfunding you know this show but i thought it was really done well i was impressed with it um i was entertained by it and uh i was actually surprised to see some of the people who were actually involved in it you know some professional actors in there too so it's not just uh a couple of buddies or a couple of film students or anything not disrespecting those guys no uh, it just speaks together. to the you know the connections that this person has and it, it you know the quality of the product yeah so check it out as always put the links in the, the show notes for the homework assignments, but that's what I got for you guys for the week. Dope. You got plenty to do till we uh, reconvene. And don't tell us you didn't have time to do it. I know you got time. You got nothing but time these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> we want to thank you guys for hanging out with us for another week. As always, we love to hear from you guys. So don't forget to uh, rate us, review us. Uh, leave a comment if you are so inclined, good or bad. We want to hear from you. Now, I'll, I'll take that a step further. I will say that, um, you know, if you are listening on Apple, and I know most of you guys do, like, 55 or 60% of uh, the listeners listen on iTunes. You guys got to give us a rating. You're already there. You're already in iTunes. Just go ahead. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Yeah, that really helps. It does. Yeah. That's a way for you guys to get your voice heard. and You can always reach out to us and our various social media outlets you can find us on instagram at views from the back of the class underscore pod on twitter at the other n word you can call us or text us at 312-521-0527 and then there's the good old-fashioned email and that's at viewspod at gmail.com bam but you know where to find us in the vault and the fortress of solitude during this pandemic that's right. You got to stay safe. Stay in the house. Wash your hands. Class dismissed.